0: Good morning, family. Whether you're a regular or joining us for the first time, we're hoping you feel right at home with us. Today marks the end of our week of prayer and fasting. I hope you're all rested, revived, and ready to rise as we continue to move with God in 2021. We'll be sharing in communion today, so please get your elements ready and join us in breaking bread together. Let's start today's service by drinking in the Holy Spirit's presence through worship.
1: God, we are here for you, we are here for you, let your word Let's five time Let's five time Let's go! Upon me, upon my spirit, yes. Thank you. let your glory fall upon me, upon my spirit, let your spirit minister to me, let my heart be a song to you. Let my smile be a song to you, let my eyes sing a song to you, let all the bones in my body sing out to you, you are the King of kings, the Lord. Start to sound like you, start to taste like you, start to smell like you, Lord, be with me.
2: As I hear those words being sung, this word comes up in my heart, it's the word resonate. Let my heart sound like you, Lord. Let my heart resonate to your heart, to the frequencies of your voice. I thank you, Lord, for this time this morning. We can bring such glory and praise to your name. We do it here this morning. We say, Lord, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We might not be in fellowship in a physical building, but we are the church. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you, fellowshipping with you this morning. Just drink. Have another drink on him. while he's declaring his spirit being poured out onto us thank you lord thank you for your word the word and the spirit together coming together unifying in power and authority and in love and gentleness For the Father, from whom his family In heaven and on earth derives its name And through his glorious riches He may strengthen us With power through his spirit Inside of us so that christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and i pray that riches he may strengthen us with power through his spirit inside of us and so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and I pray You know this
3: love that surpasses knowledge.
2: Thank you for empowering us by your grace. How grace comes and empowers us to do the things God has called us to do.
1: your breath. So we
4: breath for all that have diminished lung capacity, the ruach, the creative wind of God, the breath of God. Allow it into your body. Let it restore you, heal you, rejuvenate you. Allow the Lord to give back manifold what has been stolen from you. Breathe in the breath of God and breathe out the things of this world. Zone in on the things of God, eternity, and zone out of the things of this world. Breathe in the breath of God and breathe out those things that you let go in Jesus' name. Allow your lungs to be filled with God's breath. breath you have, praise Him. Whether it's 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 or 100 percent. Give praise to Him, allow Him in return to fill you up, to wash you clean, to give you peace beyond understanding and joy unspeakable. In Jesus' name, Amen.
5: Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you breathe life into us, that by your breath you revive us, And we thank you for the moving of your spirit among us, Lord. And we trust you for just more and more of the outpouring of your spirit. Even right now, Lord, in this moment, I pray that every home, every place where we are gathered together today, that your spirit will come and move with us, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to be together again on this beautiful Sunday. And uh, I trust that you will uh, enjoy our service and that the Lord will really continue to encourage and strengthen you. Right now is an opportunity for us to give our tithes and offerings. And, and uh, as we always do, you can see the prompts come on the screen and you just follow those and give and give cheerfully and give because you believe in the work of the Lord and in the mission of the gospel that is being spread across the globe in these days of ours. So thank you for your faithfulness. Please follow the prompts on the screen. Well, it's also my privilege today to have communion with you. As we come at the end of our week of prayer and fasting, uh, we felt it would be so good to end this week, in a sense, by having communion together. And you'll remember that when we have communion, we are doing this to as a remembrance of what the Lord Jesus had done for us. The fact that He gave His body for us, so that His body was spent so that we could be Saved and that we could be made whole. And his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, that our hearts that was that was filled with sin can be washed clean and pure by the blood of Jesus. That we can walk in his forgiveness and in the restoration of the power of his grace and of the cross and what everything that was made made available to us on the cross. That not only were we forgiven for the guilt of our sin, but that, that we are also washed free from the effects of sin and can be can be set free free from sin and we thank the Lord for that. So I trust that you all have your communion elements ready and uh, won't you together just with me today take the bread and uh, perhaps whatever elements you have if it's a cracker or bread won't you just as we as we accustomed to take that piece of bread and break it and share it with one another and as we share that we remember the body of the Lord Jesus that was given for each of us. Thank you Lord for your body. Thank you, Lord, that you died on that cross, that you allowed your body to be mistreated, to be abused, so that we could be made whole and complete. We thank you, Jesus. And then as we take the cup, we share this cup together today. It's the blood of Christ that has cleansed us. And Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die for us your one and only son, so that by his blood we could be forgiven for our sin and we can be restored and brought into covenant with you, that you are our God and we are your people and you are in the midst of us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's share together in the cup. Lord, I just pray for every family, every home, every individual that is taking communion right now, that they would experience your presence with them, your grace and your love for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is also a a moment that we want to mark at Hatfield and, and to, as it happens in a family, every now and then there's people that particularly because of our mission and because of what God calls us to do, that sometimes we move on and we move out into new places. And we want to today celebrate Gerben and Mika Grooten that has been with us at Hatfield on staff since 2005. That's 16 years that they've served here and, um, Th- recently through times of prayer together and just events that unfolded, we felt it was the right thing for them to relocate back to Holland. And uh, they're going to take up some positions of work there and carry on doing their work. But they will stay vitally connected to us here at Hatfield, still be part of us actually, and still be, you'll still see them around in, in digital places. And they're going to visit very regularly also but we want to today thank them for their amazing years of service, for the investment they have made into this community. And we want to pray for them, for the next step, for the next phase of their journey of, of being disciples and making disciples, that the Lord's hand will be upon them, that he will really bless them, and that, that we honor them. And uh, we, we will remain their family, and we will remain to pray with them and be in partnership with them and cover them. So, But won't you just pray with me? Father, we thank you for Gerben and Mika. We thank you so much that they have given and planted in our lives and in this community. Thank you for their faithful service, for the excellence that which they have served here, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are leading them forward and that it is our privilege to support them to continue to partner with them as they go back into Holland and continue with the mission that you have called them to do there. And we, we celebrate them, Father, and we, we pray for them. We pray that you will open the doors for them, that you, your spirit will lead them and guide them. And we thank you, Father, for the change agents that they will be for your kingdom in their context for these years forward. And, and we just thank you that our relationship with them continues and we trust you for that to grow and unfold in the way that you want it to. And we, we bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've really been enjoying just our time in sharing in this series of Move With God and uh, our journey through the book of Acts and the lessons that we are keeping on learning about how to be a people of God that is activated by the power of the Spirit so that the gospel through us can spread and that God's work through us can spread no matter what the restrictions and the challenges are. And today we want to talk about the title of our message is Community on the move. Community on the move. And and you know that at Hatfield we often talk about community and, and we talk about being a community on a mission and how discipleship happens best in community. So this part for me, I'm really excited about it. It really falls into the space where I feel really passionate about when it comes to discipleship. And that's the, the issue of community. And what we're going to read today is how Luke describes for us the sense of community that happened in the early part of the development of the church. And he, he gives us a look into the, the what was seen and what people were experiencing. Years and years ago, Natasha and I had the privilege of going in the north of England to, uh, to what they call the Jorvik, which is a, a museum uh, that was created where, for the Vikings and when they entered the UK. And it's in the town of York. And um, so they have this very interactive experience. It's quite amazing where there's like a, a floor of glass that you walk on the excavations. And then they recreated a scene of what a typical village would, would have looked like according to what they found in their excavations. And you know, and, and they tell the story of the Vikings. So you sort of climb into this little barrel and you, you go on a ride through a, a Viking village and it tells you the different components of the village. And for instance, that one of the things that they said to you is they found that the Vikings were, were Christians and that you know later on they became saved and they became Christians, and so much of their village life was about their faith. And They could say this because they found some of the artifacts, they found the the, the buildings where they worshipped in, and they described to you the life of a Viking uh, in that period of time. And this is in the same sense what, what Luke does for us here today, is he gives us a description. Remember, he only writes quite a bit after the, the events of the book of Acts uh, 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 from his personal testimony and the accounts of eyewitnesses and, and, and does some good historic work and he records for us accurately what happened during those times, but he's describing for us what is happening and what happened during that time? And, and you, must all, you and I must always remember that the book of Acts is a lot of description. And, and we must make sure that we don't confuse description with prescription. That there are certain things that he says to us that are, that is, is for that time and space. That's how they lived out. The, the, the principles of God, the, the the their discipleship, that's how they lived it out in that time. That's not necessarily a prescription for how we should live it out, but it describes it for us. It gives us texture. It gives us a sort of taste and smell for what it felt like in those days for these disciples and what it meant to be a, a disciple. And, and for that, we're going to go to Acts 2. And I want to start with verse 37 because that's for me... The, the beginning point where it starts. You'll remember that after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and um, that amazing time and the tongues that were shared and people hearing the gospel in their own language. And then Paul, Peter got up and he, and he described for people uh, the, the message of the gospel and he preached this great message and he, and he told them about what the prophets prophesied and, he, and then he shared the gospel with them. And then we hear this, the, the response of the people. In Acts 2 verse 37, when the people heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? What must we now do? And that's, that's the power of preaching. When when preaching is done in the Spirit of God and in the anointing of the Lord and in the truth of the Word, it leads to people saying, what must be done? How do I respond? Preaching and the Word must always lead us to a place of going, now what must I do? And these people, their hearts were cut, the Scripture says, they were stirred by the preaching, and they said, what must we do now? How, what, how do we respond to this preaching? And and what is the next step for us to take? And Peter replied in verse 38, and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And he's saying right now, the way, the, the next step for you is now that you've heard the gospel, is you have to make it your own by by repenting from your sins, saying, I'm going to turn away from my old life and I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to make my life about him and I'm going to ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And so these people did that. And we know that that day, the scripture says that over 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000, more than 3,000 people repented of their sins that day. And I don't know if they had some mass baptism or if they baptized them baptized them over a couple of days or how it happened. It's not recorded for us. But it must have been such a joyous occasion and such a celebration that suddenly this 120 went from 120 to 3,000. Now, as a church leader, I can tell you that's exciting But challenging. Imagine having to suddenly have 120 people with 12 leaders, more or less, the the apostles, the disciples, and some others that were around them and, you know, probably also having leadership roles. Now suddenly you have 3,000 people that you have to take care of. And this movement just exploded Suddenly. And it could have been happening that when 3,000 was added to the 120 that they actually diluted. But that's not what we see. The movement just grew exponentially. And the value system of this movement of Christianity, these 3,000 were absorbed in that. And that's now what Luke describes for us. He says, I want to tell you what it looked like for this new community of faith. What their lives were like. What were they doing? And remember, he's writing looking back on this and he's and he's highlighting the things that they over time realized were the most important things that happened and and what's what was sort of distilled through time as the 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 true mark of what that community was like and where it began and that's where he begins to write for us and he gives us this description like a Like that, Jorvik was a description of the life of the Vikings. Here he gives us a description of what the life of these early disciples was like and what it meant for a converted people to live now. How did converted people live their lives? And he describes this in Acts 2 verse 42 to 47. I want to read with you. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by days. Those were being saved. Fantastic to see this new movement of converted people and how they were starting to live out their faith. So what we know from this portion of scripture is that there was a continuation of the miraculous among them. It didn't end on the day of Pentecost. The miracles just kept on happening. And they were in awe of those miracles. We know that they they were meeting in the temple because they were Jews. Remember, Christianity developed out of Judaism. So because they were all Jews at that time, they, they would still continue to meet in the temple. When they met in the temple, they would just talk about the Messiah, and they would talk about Jesus. And they met in that public space, and others could see them and hear their stories and their testimony and can and hear their meeting going on. But they would meet in sections of the temple, and then they would have it break up into smaller spaces and meet in homes also. And remember, some of their homes were quite large, and they could accommodate a lot of people. Other homes were very small, and it was just because as the family that met, perhaps with one or two friends. But they would continually meet and, and be together. But the key word I want us to focus on here, first of all, is that that which it says in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves. These converts were moved into a space after their conversion of devotion. Of now carrying on with what began. You know, it's so sad whenever we see somebody says, look, I've given my life to Jesus. But then they carry on with life as it was before that. There's no Change in their lifestyle. That's not what was happening with these people. There was a radical change in their lifestyle. There was a devotion that started. They were devoting themselves to this new faith and this community. They were doing things on a regular basis. This devotion carried on. And and, and that he describes for us what their devotion looked like. But I want to ask us this question today and say, what does our devotion look like today? In this reality of COVID-19, where we cannot gather in our church buildings, where, where right now the president has lifted the restriction and, and the most 50 people can gather and, and I mean, in a size church of like ours, both of our churches, that doesn't really make sense to have Sunday gatherings for 50. But we can start beginning to think about how do we gather in uh, as, as community groups, families, again, and, and around the gospel. What does our devotion look like in a time like this? How do we show our devotion to the Lord? Think about it. 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years from now, people are going to be writing about this period of time. They're going to be writing about 2020, 2021. With the pandemic. And when when they look back at the Christians, what are they going to be excavating, in a sense? To say, wow, despite the challenges of the times, the Christians did not falter in their devotion. Actually, their devotion increased towards the Lord. Perhaps what they will discover is they will discover... um, some of our, our YouTube videos or or perhaps they'll discover some of our materials and, and they'll 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 hear the stories of how people gathered and still carried on their devotion. We need to be devoted, devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, devoted as a community. And I'm so thankful. I'm so proud of of our communities and of so many churches and people that are that 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 are stepping up their devotion. That are coming closer and saying we need one another. We need to express the gospel. We need the Lord Jesus in these times. I know for some it's been really hard and very difficult. And and because of restrictions and just the challenges that you're facing, some have found it difficult to keep a devotion. But I want to encourage you. Whether it's you on your own with your Bible and, 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 and just worshiping and praying, don't stop your devotion. Keep your devotion going. Let's be a devoted people. Now, when he describes their, their devotion as this community, he describes a community devotion in the following. Because let me just say this quickly. We must remember that the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on individuals merely. The Holy Spirit was poured out on a community, on a, on a group of people that together. Obviously, it was on individuals within that community. And that's one of the tensions we always have to have manage really well, that, that we have to understand our place within community and we have to understand our individual responsibility. If we get it wrong and we make it too much about community, we can abdicate our individual responsibility. If we make it too much about the individual, then we forget the role of the community and the good of the community and, and we're just all looking for what we can get for ourselves. Now, we live in a context where for many of us, we are individualistic. And our culture predominantly moves towards individualism. Even if you come from a culture that was a much more community culture, the influence of, of individualism is very strong, even in our nation. And therefore, I think as a church, we talk a lot about community. Not that we want to undermine the individual, but that we want to remind ourselves that the Spirit of God is poured out and is so powerful, and the testimony of the Spirit of God is so powerful. We're in a community together displays their devotion to the Lord. And there we see a community that displayed their devotion. And there's four things that are mentioned, first of all, that describes their devotion, that that Luke writes to describe their devotion. And he says they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Remember, Jesus said, go, in, in Matthew 28, he said, go and teach them my commands. Teach them to obey my commands. And so that's what they were doing. They were just doing what Jesus said. And they were carrying on with that, teaching and and that's perhaps the easiest part right now for us in the world to do is to to put out teaching because you know, like this, we can there's great stuff that you can have available to you. Great teachings. Um, and we've certainly put a lot of things on, not trying to do not too much, but just to to, to put the teaching of the word. What does it mean to obey the Lord in our context, in our time? We've really been considering that. and we've been, it, it, It's quite easy right now with social media and with digital platforms to be able to do the teaching of the word. I want to encourage you, be devoted to teaching. But remember, teaching is not about what you know merely. It's about knowing so that you can do, the knowing and the doing together. But they were devoted to teaching. The second thing they were devoted to was fellowship. And then with that, thirdly, the breaking of bread. And so what Luke says to us, these people were, were marked for their, their sense of love for one another. Because remember, Jesus said, these are the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so this movement, <coughs> that, sorry, <coughs> that was a continuation of the words and the commands of Jesus, lived that out. In the fact that they loved one another. They enjoyed each other's company. They wanted to be together. They, they, they were together socially and they were together for spiritual reasons. And I think that's why it mentions fellowship and the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread... Talks about them eating meals together, but particularly also about the breaking of the bread of communion like we did today. That, that was their communal point. That was the point they rallied around was their faith, was their belief in the Lord Jesus. And so their fellowship was built around that. It wasn't just fellowship for the sake of fellowship. I mean, you, you can have fellowship in that sense, you know, at the golf course or at the tennis club. You can belong to any organization or group of people and have fellowship. Our fellowship is a coming together around the table of who the Lord Jesus is. And that's why they regularly broke bread, because they always put Jesus at the center and, and that's perhaps one of the things that we have found challenging, haven't we, in the last year or so, is how do we do fellowship? How do we break bread when, when we're restricted and for so much time we couldn't you know, go visit each other, we couldn't see each other, and, but it was so amazing for me to hear the stories and the creativity of God's people, because it's a value for them, because they, they love each other, they want to be together. How many community groups moved on to digital platforms and WhatsApp groups that were started, and and all sorts of ways, and, and people that would drive past each other's houses, and just, you know, lean out the car for a little bit, and, and just shout, you know, to one another, and, and all the amazing ways, and people that, that would have meals over digital platforms, you know, both families would be sitting, having a meal, sharing meals with one another, and, and God's people were just so creative in saying, we, we need to be together. And we need to show our devotion to one another in our fellowship and our breaking of bread. And and I want to encourage you, you know, to be a Christian is to love other people. John writes that so clearly. He says, you cannot say you love God, but you don't love your brother and sister. We want to be together. So one of the things I think we must be a little bit careful for is that we don't get too comfortable in this digital world and that, oh, it's so nice. Sunday morning or whenever, if I want to do, you know, church, then I just lie in my bed and I can watch the service and, and feel, you know, really blessed and everything, and it's wonderful, and, and that's great. But I want to encourage you, your devotion to community. Step out. Take those bold steps and, and connect with others. We have just seen it time and time again. The more connected people were during this time, the better they did. And I know some people just don't have the relationships, but that's why we have community groups. And if you want to be part of a community group, let us know. And in both churches, we'll connect you to community groups so so that there can be people that you can have relationships with because we journey together. That's part of our devotion. And then the last one is their devotion was marked by prayer. And prayer in this context means included reading of the word. So, probably if we brought that into our context, we would talk about devotion, time together in prayer, in worship, you know, our singing together, and in, in reading the word. And actually, that's all worship, but it would be the, dev- the devotion that we had to, the, to being in God's presence, to understanding His word, and that connects with the teaching. But there's a devotion. And it's been so fantastic this past week to pray together. And to pray over digital platforms, to see the body of Christ, not take a step back and not say, well, because we can't go to a building and be together, we're not going to pray. But we we got together and we prayed. And it has been so great to pray. And we continue to pray. We continue to connect, to be together. And the future will probably be a, a variant of a mixture between... Online and on site activities in our faith. And as churches, I don't think we're going to ever go back to only gathering on site and, and have a small portion of, 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 of online activity. I think it's going to become far more a both world. And, and we need to, we are talking about as teams, how do we grow in that? How do we be, do better at that? But we want to be together and we want to pray and fellowship and break bread and, and hear the word of God. We want to stay devoted to that. And I want to encourage you. Grow in your devotion in those four, four areas. We will not do it exactly the same way they did it in the book of Acts and in the early church. I mean, we don't go to the temple first. And that's not descriptive. The, 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 Luke wasn't saying that if you want to be a Christian, you have to go to the temple and, and, and there meet with fellow brothers and sisters. Because that's not relevant for us. He was saying that's how they were doing it. We have to live out our devotion in our time and context. One of the other great marks of their community devotion was their community living and how they shared things with one another. And those great verses in Acts 2, verse 44 to 45, where it says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Luke describes for us the one of the the things that was happening in this community, the texture that you could feel in this community that was so powerful, is that they were living out of what, what Jesus taught them again. Remember, Jesus said to them, Your treasure should be in heaven and not on earth. That there where your heart is, there your your treasure is, there your heart will be. And our treasure now is not material things anymore. The only thing we can take to to heaven with us are other people. And because we love them, they become our treasure. And so what these New Testament believers, these converted saints now were doing, were saying, well, now I value other people more than I value material things. And because I value people, Because I love people, I'm going to display that valuing of people through my practical activities of sharing and providing to the needs of people. Now again, he describes for us what it looked like in this context. There's things that we can apply and there's things that we can't apply that is bound to time and space. And I want to remind you that these people, that shared and, and their property with one another and where nobody had need. It wasn't very long after that, that they were all dispersed from Jerusalem. And, and later on we read how the apostles had to gather a, a, a offering from the churches outside of Jerusalem to give to the church in Jerusalem because they were all in need. So uh, this, this state that they were in for this period of time was a marked moving of the Holy Spirit. And we see it reproduced from time to time. But time shifts and challenges come our way. And sometimes whole churches and communities have need. And sometimes they help others in need. And sometimes they need help. But the the, the bottom line thing is, we treasure one another. We value one another. And so when we see one of our brothers and sisters struggle... Our heart cannot but help to say, what can I do? How can I help? And if I have something extra to give, can I give? Or can I share what I have with them? That's a mark throughout the century of, of Christian community. And it carries on today. We may practice it different today. I think of last year and how many hundreds of thousands, more than a million rand that we were able to give and help people with. And many of you gave extra. And 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 shared your belongings and shared time. And I know families helped other families. And 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 we because that's how we do it as Christians, we we are, we have that charitable nature because of the Spirit of God that is within us. And we see it here in these people. These people that sought the kingdom first. That Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom, then all these other things will be added unto you. And they sought the kingdom. And once they found the kingdom and they were converted, they shared the kingdom very really and very practically with one another. It's also recorded for us in Acts 4, verse 32 to 37. It continues to talk about this sharing that they had. It says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them, all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought their money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he had owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. <clears throat> what a great story. Luke describes the, the, the generosity within this community that said, if some of our brothers and sisters have need, I've got a field that I can sell and, and, and sold their field and took that money and, and gave to the apostles to take care of the needs of the, of the church. And I want to encourage you, there's always it's always valuable to to have leadership involved when it comes to the distribution of, of for the, to take care of the needs of people. Sometimes, you know, we, we feel moved, I want to help somebody, and we hear somebody's story, and then we give them money, only later to find out, but there was more to the story, and perhaps we could have helped in other ways, and, and then we realize, but the leaders actually knew what was going on, and. And they were really trying to work in that situation so that it becomes a long-term solution, not just a short-term solution. And, and therefore, we work together. And in our churches, we have that habit. And, it's, and, and you are so generous and you give to, whether it's faith promise or through tithes and offerings, you enable us to always, and, and extra gifts that you give, you enable us to help people. And I mean, we, we have great practice of helping people. And may we continue to do that and grow and even become better at it. But we want to help. We want to, we want to be that be a mark and a display of people in our time. And I think when people look back at the church of 2020, 2021 of this time, one of the things that they will remark on is how many millions of meals were given to people by the church in this time. How churches rallied and organized and, and Christian organizations and groups rallied together and fed people. Because that's who we are. That's what our heart is is that we share with one another. And I want to encourage you. Continue to contribute. Continue to to be helpful to people. I'm not saying you can't help people, that everything has to happen through the church. I'm just saying there's wisdom involved. There's, There's wisdom. You know, there's little things I do that when I see somebody in need, I give to them or I help them when I can. It doesn't always happen through the church. But particularly when it comes to to people in the church and and if I, I hear their story then I, I I go through the channels the church makes available because they they provide broader care than just giving the people money or or food or what they need there's there's more that people need and I want to encourage you let's let's but be generous and thank you that these our community is generous and that's a display of our faith and, and, and I want to remind you, because what the purpose of the church is, Lord Jesus, uh, Paul writes in the Ephesians, and Ephesians 3 verse 10, he says, this is the purpose of the church, to make known the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers in the air. We are here to make known, to make known. And remember, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago how we believe in the kingdom of God that will finally come one day in its fullness, but we live it now. And that's the job of the church is to right now in our nation, in our cities, in our suburbs, in our families to live the kingdom of God through our devotion and and how we live out our devotion. Because when we live it out, it becomes tangible for people and other people can then say, wow, I want to be part of that. Not because we're perfect and we get it right every time, but because they experience the grace of God and the goodness of God. They see who God is. God becomes visible. Like Paul says, we are living letters. I want to read you a quote, which is one of my favorite quotes. I, I, you probably have heard me read this quote once before. I probably read it once a year in a sermon, at least. It's, it's really one of my favorites. It's by Brian P. Stone, and he says the following. It's a bit lengthy, so please read it on your screen with me. Pragmatically, it is self-evident that there can be no procedure of proclamation without a community. We cannot go and tell people the gospel if there's not a community that lives the gospel distinct from the rest of society, a community that is different, that stands out, that is marked, like this community, was different. It was described by Luke for us because it was different than what other communities were. To do the proclaiming, when we we live this difference, it gives power and authority to our proclamation. Pragmatically, it is just as clear that there can be no evangelistic call addressed to a person inviting him to enter into a new kind of fellowship and learning, if there is not such a body of persons, again, distinct from the totality of society, to whom to come and from whom to learn. If we want to call people out of the world, we've got to call them into something. We've got to call them into a place where the gospel is being lived and realized. And that's our privilege. And that's why we... I think where where it's written in in the scripture, uh, Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says, first do good to 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 your brethren, to the fellow believers. Because when we do good to one another, it creates a space that makes the kingdom of God visible for others to see. And from there, we can draw them in. We extend our community. We take community to people because we share what the Lord has given us and done for us. So we want to be a community on the move. We want to be a a moving community. And again, I'm fully aware that our, our lives are restricted and our movements are restricted. But in the Spirit and by the unctioning of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we are a community on the move. We are moving in these days. And let's move. By the spirit let's be moved by God moved by the spirit and, and and within our devotion and so I just want to invite you I want to invite you to take the next step in your devotion to, to show more devotion than you have ever before to be more devoted to the word of God, to the teachings of the Lord, to be more devoted to fellowship, to be more devoted to the breaking of bread together, to be more devoted to prayer, to be more devoted to generosity, and to be more devoted to living as a community to show this world the goodness of God. And that sometimes we show the goodness of God through the mistakes we make in our repentance and how we correct those mistakes. But let's be a devoted community. And thank you for the devotion that you have shown already. And let's step forward and move with God. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person joining me this morning. And thank you for your word that we could gather around. Your word that is like the fireplace for us. It's our our place of light and warmth. It's our place that, that we gather as a community. And we all look at that word together. And I pray, Lord, that as I've shared, that, that you would stir through your word our hearts and that each of us would, in our own context, say, Lord, how do I live this out? How do I take the next step? How do I move forward? And so that as a community, we can move forward also. And I thank you for the working of your spirit among us. Thank you for the grace for that you are empowering us for these days and for these times. And thank you for this wave of the gospel that is not shrinking back at the moment, but that is growing and that is moving further and reaching more people. And we thank you for that. Thank you for every person, Lord, for your moving and your working in their lives. And I pray for your presence. I pray for your grace. There where people are facing great challenges, and not knowing what to do, how to handle it. I thank you, Lord, that they can call out upon your name. And as your word says, if we ask you for wisdom, you will give it to us. And I pray that we would find wisdom In your presence. And wisdom as a community together. We love you Lord. Such a privilege and an honor to serve you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for being with me today. Remember, there are people that are waiting to connect with you. If you need prayer, just connect with them. Follow the prompts on your screen. And and there's people right now ready to pray with you. And if you have not ever given your heart to Jesus, won't you just tell one of them, today I want to give my heart to Jesus. And they're going to help you and pray a prayer with you. And that you can have this conversion experience that leads to devotion. And live a new life in Christ. Love you lots. May the Lord bless you.
0: Thank you, Pastor Louis, for that great message about how to be a community on the move. There are various opportunities that enable you to engage in our community, even as we still mainly meet online. Today, I'll highlight three of these. Our community groups are an integral part of our community on the move with God, especially when one can so quickly become isolated right now. Remember, physical distance doesn't have to mean relational distance and plugging into a smaller group where you are known on a deeper level will take your spiritual growth to the next level. Follow the link on screen to fill in a short form that will help us connect you to the right group. If you're an individual, a family or community group that desires to hear the Lord's voice and activate your spiritual gifts, sign up for our one day module one prophetic training. This introductory course takes place online on 13 February via Zoom. With mentors by your side, you'll learn how to practice the prophetic in a safe training environment. Registration is essential, and it costs 500 rand per person, which includes your manual. Send an email to the address on screen, or visit our Academy of Prophecies website for more details. Do you find yourself struggling during this extended lockdown and under the heavy toll of the pandemic? We offer emotional, mental and spiritual support to individuals, couples and families through the online courses and free counselling. Contact our Hope Center by emailing hope at hatfield.ca or visit their Facebook page at Hatfield Hope Center. That's all from me. May the Holy Spirit empower you to be on the move with God more than ever before.
6: Bye!